Hey there, and welcome to The Lever, the show where we break down how the evolution of technology will shift leverage more in the workers' favor than ever before. This isn't your mother's leadership or HR podcast talking about hybrid work as the future. That's not the future, that's now. We're talking about how major innovations in AI, robotics, automation, and Web3 will fundamentally change the role of humans at work for the better. My team and I sought out 25 of the most intelligent minds in economics, investing, academia, and business to determine the driving forces behind this monumental shift. Throughout this show, we'll explore captivating topics like how much a human worker is worth, our ongoing pursuit for work's purpose, what the future of human performance measurement looks like, and how top-tier talent could have a baseball card-like representation in years to come. I'm your host, Drew Fortin. Let's get to it. All right, we've gone through a lot this season. The fragmentation of the workforce, whether we are being replaced, the meaning of work, the value of a human, and how portable performance management could change the employee-employer dynamic for good. Now, let's set the stage for our final episode, career development. Traditionally, most career development services are subsidized by the employer, so the company is the primary beneficiary. Learning and development programs, management training, it doesn't matter what is offered. If the desired outcome of the program doesn't align with the strategic objectives of the business, the business won't offer it. I tend to see the large companies have very regimented training programs and have very formulaic. Um, you learn this and then you learn this. And if you're talented enough, we'll put you into this track and they have a very organized career path. That's Deborah Kurtz a recruiter in the tech space with over a decade of experience. She talks to dozens of people a week about their career paths. People don't know how recruitment works. They don't know how we're compensated. And that's something that I always remember. I can dole advice on how to help somebody find their dream job. I would love to talk about that all day long. Absolutely. But my actual job is filling positions for companies. And those companies want a very specific type of person on a career path that aligns with their training programs and long-term vision for the role. Deborah often has to turn down amazing talent because of this misalignment. I think that if I was going to put a stake in the ground, Drew, to say what's the number one thing that companies can or should be doing, for career development and education, let there be some form of self-driven, self-fulfilling prophecy around education. Being told you need to learn this, people inherently don't like that. What they do like is to say, I'm currently in this role and what I'm interested in doing moving forward is I'd like to get better at X and Y and I'd like yeah. to education on it. Specific percentages vary based on the study, but on aggregate, the number one reason people leave their jobs is due to lack of career growth and development opportunities. For companies that want to stay competitive in their employer branding, this style of a one-track path to success has to change. Here's Meg Patel, a consultant with over 20 years of experience in learning and development and her doctorate in education. Meg's worked with companies like Banner Health and Jack in the Box and now works at Lever Talent. So there are a lot of current trends that we're seeing in the learning and development space. A lot of them are some more of the traditional things like competency mapping by job category, still seeing a lot of the 
um, what I call the peanut butter spread to learning and development. Mm. So with that approach, it's these massive libraries. And so companies can really check the box to say, okay, we are providing training and development, sufficient training and development resources. So we can check that box on our engagement survey to our workforce. But what we're missing is that very specific personalized development plan that aligns with the best intersection of the business strategy. That's when you're really going to be like firing on all cylinders when individual superpowers are perfectly in the middle of an intersection between the business strategy and the company's superpowers. That's like the perfect combination of things. Unfortunately, this isn't commonplace. As a result, non-employer-led education is growing. People want more specific knowledge from proven experts and can get it at a fraction of the cost of traditional schools. And that's why you should buy my course for 50% off, one hour only. No, but seriously. Although there are plenty of courses out there, non-traditional schooling is making a serious rise as well. Here's Jeff Cassidy, CFO of Flatiron School, a CS and software bootcamp that has seen a lot of growth. Flatiron School has been around for 10 years. It started traditionally as a B2C upskilling program where people who are stuck in a stuck in a particular career that they might not have liked, being able to provide them with technical skills in a very short period of time. You've probably heard that some software engineers make some good money these days. According to a report by LinkedIn, software engineering was one of the top 10 most popular job transitions in 2020, with a 21% increase in the number of people making the switch compared to the previous year. Some of our bread and butter is really taking folks that may have a college degree, may not, um, and they're looking to get into software engineering. Perhaps they were working in the restaurant industry, making 40 or $50,000 a year. They go through our program for a few months and all of a sudden they are getting job offers for $70,000, $75,000 to, to start. And, and you're, you're in the technology world, you understand that really is a starting point and they, they can sort of make their career how they want it from there. So, so we're really changing people's individuals and families' trajectory of where, where, they can, where they can land. Flatiron School's main path to growth now is actually in partnering with enterprise companies to offer bootcamp schooling as a benefit, a direct-to-consumer business turning to business partnerships. And it benefits the company too, since every business has to stay on top of tech evolutions without cycling through their workforce every few years. Listen. There's a huge opportunity here for businesses to improve their relationship with present and future employees. As Liz Wilkie, principal economist at Gusto, puts it, I think that the task isn't to define all employment relationships. It's to enable workers to know what they are looking for and to have great ways to find it in the market and for employers to understand what workers want and need and to give them ways to provide it. At Lever Talent, we use the competing values framework for understanding and characterizing organizational cultures. But we can also use the same framework to explain business evolution. Startups, or early stage businesses, function in the upper right quadrant. Then, once the product is defined and product market fit is found, the company starts to scale. This requires a new results orientation and disciplined approach, now a growth stage company. Once growth starts to plateau, the business reaches a stage of maturity. Now, optimizing internal processes and precision becomes the focus as the company enters new markets and expands its product lines to capture as much market share as possible. When thinking about your career growth, you could approach it in two different ways. You could either run against the turning cycle, remaining a career innovator for what's to come, or you could ride the cycle, 
ushering AI, for instance, into its next phase of business. I'll let Bloody Tasca, chief economist at Lightcast, explain the vision. If I abstract from my role as a labor economist and look at the general population, I think there's, there's a real opportunity there. I, I tell to people that my dream is that, at least in my lifetime, there will be this thing that I call like, you know, GPS for careers. Like mm. we'll eventually be able to have something that say, hey, you know, tell me how do I go here, right? And, and it will be able to tell you the different paths of like how to go there, how, how to potentially achieve that career. It's similar like when we say, if I want to go, you know, from Westwood to the center, it tells us the different ways and what's the shorter one. You can almost imagine this as a 20-year plan that outlines the milestones needed to make the most out of your peak earning years. This could be a service provided by a validated talent agency to you as a top performing individual. You can monitor progress every two to three years to refine goals, pivot, or continue tracking toward your current objective. I think the maker economy, you know, um, the freelance economy, that starts to have people think differently, that they're working for themselves. This is Carol Myers, a partner at Glasswing Ventures. She invests in AI tech companies that are continuously trying to attract talented machine learning engineers. So then when you're working for yourself and have been, you know, someone who made that switch, um, yeah who used to work for a company, I realize now there's a lot of stuff I have to pay for um, that used to be covered by my company. And so I think that the fact that um, we have the creators, you know, the makers, the freelancers, they're already making some of these trade-offs and decisions. Mm -hmm. And the more that that takes off, the more it'll become acceptable for you to make those investments in yourself. With a drive for independence and vigor to find work that aligns with their values, it's possible that the next generation of workers will operate as free agents in search of their next big contract. Here's William Tinkup, president and editor-at-large of RecruitingDaily.com, one of the biggest online media companies for recruiters. I think, I think the companies of the future exactly are thinking that way because they are thinking the way that digital natives think in terms of gigs. We use kind of old-fashioned words like jobs and careers and career pathing and internal mobility and things like that. People under the age of 25, 26 years old, they don't say any of those words. They don't use those words. They use gigs and, and synonyms of gigs. And, and so they look at work in the way that we look at uh, transactional things. Like, uh, that looks cool. I'll do that for a while, and then I'll do something else. Well, that looks cool, and then I'll do this other thing simultaneously. So it's a gig. That's how you could end up with job ads that look like this. For those listening, imagine a billboard on the side of a highway. Get the skills and experience you need to become a talented AI strategist at Acmeco. Ready for the next stop on your career journey? We're filling two and four-year positions. Apply today. With validated performance data, a fragmented workforce, and more workers taking their career development into their own hands, it begs many questions about the state of at-will employment. Will workers be hungry for pre-negotiated contracts to gain experience, hone their skills, and prepare them for what's next? This would tip the balance of leverage more in the workers' favor. Businesses would have to go along for this ride if they want to attract and retain the best talent. Sounds far out there, huh? Well, technology is already being developed to cater to this hunger. I think we're at the start of seeing that shift into the hands of the employee, or at the very least, the employee begins to have more options. This is Vivek Mehta, the CEO of Weave. He's building what I'm going to horribly oversimplify as an AI personal assistant that has conversations with healthcare employees to reduce burnout and help them achieve their goals. So we've been talking a lot about this concept of a long-term advocate for an employee. In this case, let's say a 
AI assistant that lives with an employee throughout their ongoing career that Mm -hmm. is building the profile of what has an employee done? What are the competencies that they're working on? Where are they looking to improve? And we bring in some of those Web3 concepts. If this is something that is living decentralized, it's not in the hands of someone that has a profit incentive off of that development. We're now creating the space for development that's driven by what the employee is looking for. Technology like Weave has helped hospitals reduce nurse burnout and cut turnover by up to 50%. Then there's Dr. Emily Harburg, CEO of a software called PairUp, a company that uses behavioral and skills-based questions to match mentors and mentees with a company. I think one of my core premises is that I think even networking and connections are incredibly biased. Like a lot of it is left to like, do you happen to be in the room with someone who connects you? And so I think one of our core focus areas is how do we kind of be better, better than serendipity in many ways, but be better than just kind of the chance encounters and actually use technology to say like, Hey, Drew, you need to talk to these three people because they're, you know, can help you in these ways, or they're really in line with the things that you're looking for. They've done that work before and they can support you on it. AI, robotics, and Web3, and an increasingly fractional workforce are bringing a very bright future to us. As Deborah Kurtz, longtime recruiter, puts it. What I would say is that we're in a wonderful time of accessibility. The amount of education that exists at our fingertips that is not necessarily expensive is so amazing. And I do think as hard as it is to change industries or positions or to to not be pigeonholed, I love working with candidates who have told me their stories about I was doing this and then I put myself on this path and I got myself an education doing it. And Megan Keeney Anderson, CMO of Jasper. The trade-off of having career development be part of like a track within a company is it's so tied to that track. Whereas if you take it take ownership of it yourself and you have the freedom to do that, then you can pick a little bit from here and a little bit from here and you can become a really well-rounded person and professional. Gone are the days of being pigeonholed. You are going to have more control over your career than ever before using validated performance data, which allows you to understand your worth more clearly for your long-term career vision. And it will be owned by you and portable. I leave you with one last business that is giving more power and leverage to the worker. Charlie Olson, CEO of Pando Pooling. I would argue, by the way, that we just generally as a species don't do a good enough job betting on ourselves Mm. and investing in long-term oriented growth. And that actually that is a, you know, kind of like tremendous, uh, tremendous wasted opportunity generally. Now, Charlie knows this topic better than most. He's built a business that helps individuals pool their income and share in the financial upside of their careers. Interestingly enough, he confirmed his product worked by first bringing it to minor league sports where only a small percentage of players get a shot at the majors. And now he's expanded to startup founders. A big promotion, bonus, or stock payout. The group shares in the success. This is a community now with aligned financial incentives to care, to help you out and to help encourage your odds of success. This is founders betting on founders, you know, and their ability to generate value and build wealth over the course of their income pooling agreement, whether it is at the company that they are currently at or something yet to be dreamed. Our ability to generate future income is the most valuable asset we own. Pando pooling is just one of the ways that individuals are increasing their earning power. Everything we've talked about, 
Portability, Web3 structures, a change in career development, and a shift in value towards human skills is leading to something big. The real career path shift at hand is being able to have complete and total awareness of what your player card is in the marketplace. You'll know where to go to make that kind of impact you want, and you'll know how to get there too. A true career GPS where you can add skills, experience, and knowledge to your career that gets you where you want to go in life. As companies begin to adapt to this demand, we'll start to see employment contracts that better reflect the relationship between organizations and workers. At-will employment could be traded for clearly outlined contracts and fractional work. If businesses don't adapt to this more transparent model, they'll end up losing access to top talent. The balance is shifting. We're being empowered to take our careers into our own hands. I hope our time together has inspired you to think differently about your career, your business, and the positive impact you can have on the world. For as much as there is fear and concern, there's exponentially more to be excited about. It's certainly a bright future ahead. If you're a leader, you can actually get ahead of this macro social shift and ask your employees what the ideal next stop of their career is. It might not be at your company, and that's okay. I've made lifelong connections by helping my reports land their dream roles, even if it was outside of my company. Thanks so much for watching or listening to The Lever. You can see more expert commentaries, full interviews from our guest contributors, and more at levershow.com. Follow me wherever I'm speaking to you now. Feel free to reach out, and we look forward to continuing this conversation in season two. Stay tuned. And remember, with technology, our leverage is limitless. So let's embrace it and change the world.